very appropriate. And man, that's just wonderful. Love the music. I love Christmas music. We have had some wonderful Christmas music, and those that have uh, uh, labored long and hard to present good music. And uh, just yesterday, if you were at the piano recital, that was that went really well. We've got some upcoming pianists around here, and and people that are really putting it all into uh, developing their talent for the Lord. What a blessing. Thank you very much. Um, before we uh, uh, move on, I uh, had a request come in from the gas coins. Uh, David's uh, had some difficulties just lately. And, of course, you know the, the uh, different uh, uh, pressures upon, upon the family. And so you just be praying for David. And if you would also um, just uh, respect the family and... and uh, uh, not ask a lot of questions, but just just pray, if you would. Just just pray, and that would be very much appreciated. That That's what uh, uh, they, they would like for you to know, that prayers are appreciated today. Um, being that this is uh, Christmas and getting closer and closer to the uh, Christmas time where we celebrate the birth of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love, and we're going to be talking about that today, Brother Tim, uh, Check Why don't you come up up here? Some some people some people are Christmassy, and then some people are Christmassy. I want you to see this. <laughs> this, is, this is great. <laughs> I would do that if I had the guts, but I don't have the guts. <laughs> some, some people are so Christmassy that they like and need that. <laughs> No, I was going to say that they begin to look like the Antichrist or something, but anyway. <laughs> That's the reason why some are pushed to become Ebenezer Scrooges, because people like Brother Tim. <laughs> uh, now, today, I have in my hands <clears throat> three sermons. There's a, a $100 sermon that lasts for five minutes. A $50 sermon that lasts for 15 minutes, and a $10 sermon that lasts for one hour. So now we're going to take an offering and see which uh, sermon that you want me to... Now, we already took the offering. Uh, somebody count it up and let me know which sermon I'm supposed to preach. <laughs> Looking forward to Christmas. As we started with last week, talking about the... the uh, uh, forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one that would prepare the way for our Savior was uh, John the Baptist. And uh, so we're going to kind of pick up with that uh, today, and then we're going to uh, finish up with that next week about the Lord coming to earth as our Savior. So Luke chapter number one, <clears throat> read silently along with me as I read pretty much the whole chapter. Luke chapter number one from verse number five we're looking at the everlasting kingdom that would be presented by our Savior who came to earth. Luke chapter 1 from verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. Now we're going to get to that name later on and I'll say something about that. But remember that he was of the course of Abiah or the family of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. 
And they had no, no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, and we're going to refer back to that in a little bit, but according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Verse 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy, thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and, sh- and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, and that's a reference of the Old Testament Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. <clears throat> now you have to understand, Gabriel was one of the archangels of God, one of, the, one of God's highest in his command of his forces. And so this was the top brass sent for this kind of an announcement because the king was coming, because it was laying out the, the groundwork for the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator to be born to take upon himself flesh. And so it was Gabriel, that top emissary of heaven, sent to speak these things and show these glad tidings. Verse 20. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth, sure enough, conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when, he, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. 
And here's our text in verse number 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that this morning you would help us to see some things that would uh, aid in our worship, in our understanding of the Christmas season, of what had taken place and what we're rejoicing about. Lord, thank you so much for the, the fantastic message, the, the, the most important uh, 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 bulletin from heaven for us to have ever received, and that is the news about our Savior to be sent to the world so that we can be uh, reunited with you. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for this time. I pray that you would help us to see some things in this passage of Scripture that would be a blessing, that would uh, aid in our approach unto you. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week we saw how that the Lord ordained to send John the Baptist as the heavenly uh, MC, the master of ceremonies, if you will, to announce the arrival of the Messiah. We read how that God informed Zacharias and Elizabeth, John's parents, of the using of their child for this task. John would arrive in the custom of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah was peculiar and aloof from the pleasantries of civil, civilization, and John would be the same way. He'd be in that same kind of a character. Elijah, as John, would turn out to be a rough man of godliness and piety. Out of step with the political correctness of the day, for sure, but completely harmonious with the heart and the will of God. As we know of Elijah and then the words that Jesus spoke about John the Baptist and who he was and and his spirituality and his piety. There was some confusion to the Lord's followers as to the coming again of Elijah that was prophesied. But Jesus harmonized it in places like Malachi chapter 4. You know, we looked at this last week. This is the last of the Old Testament. After this uh, utterance, 400 years of silence. But this is what was said about the coming of John the Baptist who would announce Christ in Matthew chapter, or, I'm sorry, Malachi chapter 4, and verse number 5. Behold, God says, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And then we see that being fulfilled in Mark chapter 1, verse number 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here's where it starts. If it says the beginning of the gospel, the good news, this is, this is where you would begin if you're going to tell the story of the gospel. Verse 2. 
As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This is that fulfillment. And he says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So he was that one to come. He was this appearance of Elijah of the Old Testament. So it was kind of confusing to summon Jesus' day. Well, is Elijah coming or uh, how is this going to work out? You said that you would send the messenger before your appearing. And so at Mark chapter 9, verse number 12, he's, Jesus is answering the questions that the disciples had. And he answered and told them, Elias verily cometh first and restoreth all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught. But I say unto you that Elias is indeed come. He says, John the Baptist did show up. But he's referring to John the Baptist as Elias or Elijah, the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophet. That Elias is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed as it is written of him. Of course, they, they uh, martyred John. But he was referring to John the Baptist as Elijah, as Elijah because he came in the manner of Elijah or in that way or that style. John was, in this sense, he was indeed Elijah coming. Luke chapter 1, verse number 17 makes this clear. And he shall go before him. We read this. This is John the Baptist going to be coming. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So God says, he says, he's coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. It wasn't going to be Elijah, but he was uh, a, a, a mirror of Elijah. And that was John the Baptist. So before we complete the thoughts today and get to the, the, the crux of the matter, this everlasting kingdom that was spoken of, that was announced, I'd like to establish some things that the Bible makes clear in our text. And this will, will help us kind of get a footing to understand a little bit more of this season and what we're, we're celebrating. First of all, there was only one virgin birth. And that was Christ. In Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this thing be, seeing I know not a man? She was a virgin. She, she did not have a man. She never had relations with a man. How was she going to be bearing a child? But this was to fulfill the miracle sign, the promise, the prophecy of Christ's coming that you find in places like Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. <coughs> Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So this was prophesied. This was foretold. And it was a sign. It was something that is unusual. It doesn't happen, can't happen. But here, here it was. Sure enough, it would take place because of this neon sign that God would, would send to the masses. This is the only time this could ever be is a miraculous appearance of God in flesh through a virgin who shall conceive. 
Unlike the Revised Standard Version and the New English Translation Bible that uh, in uh, Isaiah, it says that a young woman shall, re- shall conceive. Well, there's a lot of maidens or young women, but that's not a sign. Uh, that's not unique. That's not something that's, that's miraculous. That's an everyday occurrence. No, no, the sign is what a virgin conceiving. Jesus was the only virgin-born son. And as a matter of fact, he was the only, as the Bible says, John 3, 16, he was the only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the the son that God sired, that God uh, had born into this world. Not the the one and only son, like many uh, uh, translations would have it, that says uh, that God gave his one and only son. That's not true. Um, He was the only begotten son. Folks, we are sons by adoption. There are many sons. To say that, that Jesus was the one and only son is, is incorrect, actually. Like I say, you want to get a good Bible that has the, the accurate word of God, just get the King James and because it, it you know, lays it out properly. Um, Catholics hold the erroneous teaching that Mary was immaculately conceived. Okay, they, they recognize that Jesus was sinless, that he had no sin, Tempted as all points like we are, but having no sin. He never did anything that displeased the Father as God himself gave testimony and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But then having a sinless Savior, a sinless man, and uh, being born of Mary, then there were some theologians that kind of figured, well, you know what, uh, how, could, how could a uh, sinless man come of a human or a sinful person, so they had to somehow get Mary to be sinless. And so 1854 is when the official doctrine took place where the Catholics decided upon this doctrine of the immaculate conception, meaning Mary's mother had to somehow conceive Mary immaculately or without sin, and so that Mary could be without sin. And that's the teaching that Mary is the co-redemptrix of Christ. False. Heresy. That's something, that's, that's absolutely contrary to the word of God. There's only one Savior that takes away the sin of the world. There's only one that is perfect. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mary also, and we'll show that in just a little bit. Mary was not sinless, but they had to somehow uh, uh, get the, the, the vessel of Jesus to be sinless. And so uh, is the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception and that she was also sinless. And some go so far as to saying that she was also, Mother uh, Mary was also virgin born to give birth to a sinless Savior. But folks, that's not true. Mary was a sinner who clearly needed a Savior. We read those words today, Luke chapter 1, verse 47. Uh, well, I, we, we didn't get down this, but in our text, if you read on in verse number 47, this is Mary's word. She says, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. She, was a, she needed, a, you know, with people that need a Savior, they need to be saved. Well, from what? From her sins, of course. Just like all of us, Jesus came to save us from our sins. And this Savior, Mary needed also because she was also a sinner. 
And neither was she perpetually a virgin, as the, the uh, doctrine is that she was always a virgin. She just had Jesus, and then she remains a virgin. No, she had other children. The Bible uh, teaches very clearly that Jesus had uh, brothers. They were stepbrothers, not the same father. Joseph was their father, but they were brothers in the same family of Jesus. Also, let me, let me since we're talking about Mary here, and, and nowadays, oh my goodness, You've got those who are uh, opposed to the Word of God and those in the Me Too movement and everything else today that are pushing this and that and the, the, the extreme radical feminists that will, that will call out even these things that we're talking about, holy acts of God that uh, God accomplished in bringing us the, the Savior. They look at this whole thing of, of Jesus being born of a virgin as forced upon this one. Folks, that, I mean, that's taking something that, that, that a gift to mankind and actually dragging it down in the mud to, to associate it with a, a, a forced conception as, as rape or something. Folks, listen, this is what Mary said, verse number 38 of our text. Luke chapter 1, verse 38 Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. When she heard the plan of God that she would, and wasn't already, but would conceive, that she was going to conceive, this was God's plan. This is what she said. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She's, she's presenting herself as a servant of God. Be it unto me according to thy word. She was willing to comply with the, with the will of God to have part of, of, of this redemption to all mankind. Willing. It's not this handmaid's tale that you go, what in the world, guys, folks? This, is, this has gone so far beyond, and it's so contrary to what the Bible teaches. No, she willingly complied with God's will. And then there's the position <clears throat> that we shouldn't celebrate Christ. Do you know anybody like that? <laughs> I know certain people like that, that they're, they're Christian, and they're so Christian that, you know, a celebration of, of uh, Christmas is unscriptural, or it's, it's, you know, wicked, or it's tainted. And so you, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas. There's, there's entire cults, the Jehovah's Witnesses and, and others, that will, that will uh, negate Christmas or the celebration of Christmas because of its pagan origins or whatever, the, the, the uh, wording or, or the, uh, the, what do you call it, the uh, 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 thinking is this that December 25th is the winter solstice, and it's really a pagan holiday and whatever, um, or maybe decorating a tree and then bowing down to them as you know, idols. And that's what we do, right? We, we put up a Christmas tree and bow down to it and worship it. <laughs> I don't know if you do that. You know, We sing the song, Oh, Christmas tree, we worship thee. Well, I, actually, I don't worship the, the Christmas tree. I don't know, maybe somebody does, but... You know, but, you know, looking at that like idols and taking a, a verse out of context from Old Testament to say, well, this is what they did. No, they're not talking about a, a Christmas tree. They're talking about making wood into a, an idol, a stump, a, a form of a, a person or bird or animal or whatever, and bowing down to that. But nonetheless, or maybe they'll say, well, we don't know the date of Christmas. It's not December 25th. And, you know, it's, that's nonsense. Folks, that's nonsense. If there's anything to celebrate at all, if mankind has anything to celebrate, it's what the angels declared as peace and goodwill toward men from God in the form of a Savior. If God says, this is 
a red-letter uh, occurrence, the, the event of all events that would eclipse anything else, and that it, this is peace and goodwill towards men in the form of Jesus Christ coming to earth. They celebrated a, quote, minor victory in places like Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10, when they built the walls. Remember, they were returning to Jerusalem after being exiled, and they, they, they're, they're gaining in, in uh, uh, strength of, of the nation again, and they built the walls in Nehemiah. In, eight, in Nehemiah chapter 8, it says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions, that's gifts, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to, this is what they did, in celebration, to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth. That means party. Because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Sounds an awful lot like a kind of a Christmas celebration, don't you think? You know, having, having a party and, and a, a feast and, and uh, gifts towards one another because of the, uh, of the celebration. that they, Because they understood God. Well, thank the Lord for that. Hey, folks, we understand what God did for us. What, is, what an event to celebrate. What an event to do that. And by the way, even if we didn't know the exact date of the birth of Christ, can we not just pick a date as some orphans have to? You know, here's an orphan that doesn't know the parents, and they've been put in some orphanage, uh, some uh, step someplace, and they don't know the date of their birth. So, of course, they never have a birthday, right? No. If I was an orphan and didn't know the date of my, my birth, I'd pick one. I'd say, okay, that's the day I'm going to sell. I don't know which one it is. Or matter of fact, I'll celebrate all of them <laughs> if you can, you know, because that's what they do. They pick a date, you know, because they don't know the date. So they just, how about we, if we don't know the date, we'll just pick a date, you know, and call it, call it good. Ah, but we have some really cool information in our text that will give us pretty much a precise time of the birth of Christ. I've gone over this before, so let's kind of look at the, what the Bible says in our text. Zacharias said the priesthood places Christmas at Christmas time. What do you know? Let's take a look at it. First of all, the Hebrews' religious year begins with the month they call Nisan. Not like the car, but it's like the, it's a month. It's a, it's a, a Hebrew uh, month. The Hebrew Nisan roughly corresponds with uh, our between mid-March to mid-April on our calendar. It's a little bit different because they've got different days, whatever. But it's about uh, uh, mid-March to mid-April is their first. And that's uh, in accordance with the, the Passover. You can look at uh, uh, Exodus chapter 12 when they're coming out of Egypt. And, and when God says, okay, we're going to do this. The Passover is about to take place. And then God changes everything. He says, this shall be the first month unto you. The very first month, because it's your freedom. You're being freed from slavery as the first time of your of like your life. By the way, what a picture of our salvation. That's when we first started living. Amen. But anyway, so so God, you know, changed things right at that point and says this is the first month. So their January was Nisan, which was about uh, mid uh, mid March. <clears throat> the priests who served in the temple. They served after a pattern that, that King David established. 
In 1 Chronicles chapter 24, if you want to open your Bible there, we'll kind of take a, a look at a, a verse or two there. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, the descendants of Aaron were divided by David into 24 groups to serve two roles. They were governors of the sanctuary and governors of the house of God. They had a job to do in uh, serving God and their country. And so uh, the, the, uh, the, the Levites had that job to do this. They were, they were you know, going through and, and serving in the temple. First Chronicles chapter 24, verse number 5, says that each group of the priests served according to a schedule drawn up by the casting of lots. Verse 17 through 18 of that chapter, you can read it later. But they, they chose of, of the family, of those who were of that family, they were to serve and they, they gave them, you know, uh, uh, kind of like a... Uh, not bingo, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be, you know, but, you know, they would, they would throw, put them in a, a hat and they'd, they'd choose, okay, this family's serving this month and this family's serving that month, and that's what they did. They, they figured that out. The family of Abijah was assigned to the eighth course or the eighth month, according to First Chronicles chapter 24, verse number 10. It says the seventh to Hakaz, the eighth to Abijah, and so on, and so on, and so on, every one of them. The, the, the main people in that family were given the month to serve. Abijah was given uh, the eighth month. That means that Abijah and his descendants after him would fulfill their duty to serve in the eighth month. Okay, now let's get back to the New Testament. You remember we read about Zacharias? Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, he served in the eighth month. Luke chapter 1, verse number 5 says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias, this is John the Baptist's dad, of the course of Abijah. That's Abijah. That's the Abijah of the Old Testament. There you go. You know exactly when he's in the temple serving. And it was the eighth month. As a descendant of Abijah, Zacharias would have served in the temple in the eighth month on the Hebrew calendar. The month, it's called Heshvan, is the name of that month. Heshvan corresponds to our uh, mid-October to mid-November on our calendar. So Zacharias was fulfilling his normal term of service when the angel Gabriel appeared and told him that he and Elizabeth were going to have a son. You remember? While he was in there serving, everybody is outside waiting for him to, to complete. That was that time. It was in the month uh, uh, Heshvan. Now, Zacharias would have completed his service and gone home between the middle and the end of October. If that was the eighth month, and we're talking about that time, it was about the middle to the end of October. The Bible tells us that Zacharias stayed and completed his normal duties in the temple before returning home. Luke chapter 1, verse number 23, we read this, you remember? It says, and it came to pass that as soon as... As the days of his ministration, you know, that whole thing that they set up, they took the eighth month. As soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. He didn't waste any time. He went home. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and, and hid herself five months. Went right home and got to business. That I, you know what I did? You know what? I, I, did, I just came out. I don't even know what I was talking about. Let's move on, Okay. <laughs> How else do you say that? I'm just, it's not in my notes, folks. I just went anyway. That's embarrassing. Anyway, so it was shortly after his return that Elizabeth conceived as promised by the angel. The most likely date, therefore, for John the Baptist's conception was the end of October. Okay, you got that set? The end of October, Elizabeth conceives. Now, Gabriel 
appeared to Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy to announce the birth of Christ. You remember that? We read that. The start of the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy would have probably been close to the end of March. Okay? If you're following that, here's what he served. You know this. Six months later, this is what, what happened. And we read, we read of the account in Luke chapter number one. It was at that time that Gabriel announced to Mary that she would be the mother of the Messiah. He also told her that, that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant. And Luke chapter one from verse number 26 down to 36, it says, this is what's going on with your cousin. And talking about, and, and the dates are actually given. It says in her sixth month, this is what, what's going on there. Now, normal gestation for a human baby is approximately 270 days or nine months. You women know all about that, much more than I do. Right now, we have some that are running on 290 days or so. I don't know. They're getting pretty big. But uh, <laughs> My daughter-in-law. Oh, bless my daughter-in-law. She, she carries her children straight out. I mean, straight out. When she gets big, she gets big. <laughs> I told her, uh, one of her pregnancies, I said, oh, Melody, wow, you're huge. And she goes, she just kind of gulped. She said, why, thank you. I <laughs> 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 didn't mean to say that, but anyway. Um, so anyway, so it's, it's nine months, okay? A, a, a person is going to be carrying a child for nine months. The angel Gabriel made his announcement to Mary somewhere close to March 31st. On our calendar, if you're going by the, you know, by the, 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 the progression so far, if you add 270 days or nine months to that, you come to December 25th. That is so cool. Isn't it, though? Thank you. All right. I owe you something to just throw that in there because it really added to the message. Now, folks, we don't know that Jesus was born on that exact day, but a careful study of Scripture gives us good reason to believe that it was very close to that date, if not December 25th. <clears throat> now, uh, some lambs are born, or, you know, there's uh, the, at, at Christmas time, because of, you know, sometimes throughout the whole year, certain, certain types of lambs or sheep, they, they uh, become pregnant at different times of the year. But the lambs that are born at Christmas time, ewes that become pregnant in July, just after the summer solstice, will give birth at the end of December since their gestation period is about five months, a little bit over five months. Shepherds usually stay out in the field with sheep at night during the time when lambs are being born. The shepherds will stay in the field at that time because they want to make sure that the lambs and the mothers are well taken care of during the birthing process and the Bible says that the shepherds were out in the fields when the angel came to announce the birth of Christ to them. You remember Luke chapter 2, and uh, shepherds as they were abiding in the fields at night. Now, they don't normally do that, but they were because lambs were being born. Folks, what a, what a wonderful thing it is for us to be able to celebrate the, breath, the, the birth of Christ, isn't it? And, to, and just to think that God sending his son, I mean, in... in place and time where it made sense and we can understand and we can, we can see and hear and feel and touch him. Wow. Now, our, our uh, uh, text, if you look back at Luke chapter 1, verse 31, we'll just read the text and say just a few things about this and we'll be done. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, the angel tells Mary... And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. 
And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Sacrifice, substitution, the providence of God was, was uh, manifested in Christ. He was the king of an everlasting kingdom, of an eternal and infinite kingdom. Three things that our Savior was identified here in our text. Three things. Our Savior was, number one, first of all, identified. That verse 31 says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. This was to be identified from heaven. I mean, this was, we had the, 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 the uh, limelight from the celestial rafters onto the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was identified very clearly. The Old Testament, as Jesus said, search the scriptures because they speak of me, he said. They, the, the prophecies of Christ. A virgin shall conceive. And, and he came down to earth and God identified him, and we know him. There's no question about who it was, no question about his background, no question about his lineage, no question about the time, no question about anything that we have in the, in the Scripture, because God was very clear to identify his son in fulfilled prophecy. We have our Savior was, number one, identified. And by the way, there's no question at all today in the one we can have salvation in. It's only in Christ. Not in the saints, not in the church, not in anybody else. Whom have I in heaven beside thee, the psalmist said. No, no, it's just in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. God says, I am God and there is none else. Look unto me and be ye saved. Our Savior was identified. Number two, our Savior was supreme. Verse 32 says, he shall be great. And it shall be called the Son of the Highest. See, our God is the Sovereign. He's the Almighty God. As was prophesied, He would be Wonderful Counselor, uh, uh, the, the Prince of Peace, the Almighty God. And He was the only virgin born. The only sinless man that has ever lived. The only one, by the way, acceptable to God as a sacrifice that would be received by the Father. He was the only true one. He was the only faithful, the only almighty. None other with that title. Folks, he was the only that had ever been risen from the grave, that God did not uh, intervene. Jesus rose some others from the grave, but you know, they had a physical life for a time and they all died. But Jesus rose from the grave to die no more. He was the only uh, uh, savior risen from the grave, the only Savior. Acts chapter 4, verse number 10 says, Be it known unto, unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By the way, that was the, 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 uh, the pinnacle. That was the, the, the neon sign. That was the highlighting of who he was. He was raised from the dead. Even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. In architectural standards, you have a, a, a facility that has a, a building that has the, the arches that come up and that, that cornerstone, that, that cap piece, 
is the one that, that holds the pillars together. The cornerstone of the foundation is, is that which is the foundation of the entire building. And he says, even the, 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 the uh, 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 what do you call it, the professionals, even the professionals rejected Jesus Christ. But he's the, the cornerstone. As he said, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. He's the only one. He is the cornerstone. This is the stone which was set at naught, but this was the the Lord's uh, choice. Verse 12, he says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. God says that this, our Savior, is supreme. Don't miss it. Hey, listen, friend. Don't miss the Savior. If you miss him, you miss it all. Just as God said, look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Folks, we have nowhere else to go for our salvation. But we have Jesus. He's the Savior. Our Savior was identified. Our Savior is supreme. And our Savior is Eternal, as the text says, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. <laughs> We're going to live forever, except it's not in this old life. You know, I wonder really how blessed that that would be. They have a life of sorrow and grief and pain and, and, and separation and loss and heartache. How would that be? No, no, this is, this is a life living forever in heaven as God had intended. A place that, uh, that is perfect uh, in an in a, uh, in atmosphere, and a surrounding, uh, uh, an economy that is, that is totally in harmony with God and the universe. We're going to live forever, but in God's intended heaven. Thank the Lord that his kingdom is forever. He'll reign forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Are you saved? Are you connected to this Savior? Have you ever come to have Jesus, just like Mary did? She said, I need a Savior. You need a Savior. We all need. Have you ever come to Christ, understanding your need and, and your lack and your dependence? And your, your pitiful condition without the Savior, listen, he's the, the only one given among men whereby we must be saved. Have you been saved? Do you know that for sure? Listen, friend, that's what this whole season is all about. That's what the advent of Christ here was, was all about. And that's to, prevent, to, to provide salvation for you and for me. To take away the sins of the world That's what Jesus did on the cross. He bore our sin, but now it's up to me to receive him because I could miss it. You could miss it. You could miss it having Jesus. The Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's just as simple as that. If you have Jesus, if you have his salvation, then you're going to heaven and you're part of the family of God. What a blessing. If not... Don't miss it. Don't miss it. That's, that's why the announcement, that's why God, God uh, uh, made sure to make clear the salvation brought to earth. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be assured of that. 
by receiving Christ.